the House of Lords podcast. We are your hosts. This is Nicole, and I am joined, as usual, by Armani. What's up, guys? And Dexter. What's going on, everybody? And we are back before we jump into our normal Paint Sunday's Black stuff. Any good things you guys have been watching this week that's not your sleepers? What you been watching, Armani? Anything? Nothing? I tried to jump in and watch Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, The show was not that bad. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. That just seems random for you. It it was. It wasn't, like, my choice. Someone else was watching it, and I was like, huh, I guess I'll jump in. Um, I liked the first season of The Fear of the Walking Dead. It was pretty good. It was good. I feel like just it being on at the same time as The Walking Dead, since they were so different, Mm -hmm. it kind of made it hard to get into. But that's why I've been. That's the only thing I've watched. This Have week. you? Where are you at on The Walking Dead itself? Oh, anywhere? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dexter. What else? Is it, what, what? What did you watch this week or over the last week? Oh man, I watched. Did we talk about? Did I talk about Titans last show already? You did, yeah. All right. So I watched and finished that. I watched <laughs> the show Ruthless. Mm. On it's on BET Plus. Uh, apparently, it's a spinoff of a show called The Oval. Um, it's a Tyler Perry show. It's about a black... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> man, it's... It, <sighs> I watched that. I also watched a show on FX called A Teacher. It's about a, uh, a teacher and a kid and an unhealthy relationship. And, you know, it's only in the third episode, so we'll see where it's going. That's only 30 minutes. I forget what the girl is in, but she's in something. I feel like she may have been Mrs. Damn, I feel like she might have been in one of the uh, Fantastic Fours. She was. She was. (laughs) As I was sitting there thinking, I was like, it's not Jessica Alba, but I think she might be in the other one. And that's why I know her. So, yeah, she's in there. And then it's the kid from Baby Driver. I think that's the kid in it, too. Uh, but she was also in House of Cards. And American Horror Story. Kamara was in American Horror Story? Yeah. She was in the first season. She played the mistress that had the main husband's baby. And he kept trying to get rid of her. He ended up killing her. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was. So, you know, she's extremely familiar. It's worth a watch. It's only like 26 minutes or whatever. It's one of those type of shows. So it's worth a watch to see what's going to happen. I don't know what they decided to do because it's very... It's not a sitcom. It's not funny. It's not made to be funny or anything like that. It's very drama. Usually those are an hour, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. I've seen a few things as of late. I think since Quibi failed, I think other people that are already running successful streaming services are picking up that format of short, quick shows to be able to throw out there. Because I've seen a lot of things that are... because. What was it? That show Woke? That was only like 20 some minutes, I believe. There's something else out there that's like less than 30 minutes or right at the 30 minute mark. But I think that we're going to start to see like that was a good idea. But they just have Quibi happened to happen at the at an inopportune moment for that. So I think that we're going to see Hulu and Netflix possibly pick up that ball and run with it. What so. you've been watching? I tried to watch. Night Flyers. But then I realized that I tried to watch that when that first aired on Sci-Fi, and I remember why I stopped. Like, I remember why I didn't keep going with that. So I don't think I'm going to continue that on Netflix. What's it about? It is a futuristic sci-fi space movie or show series. It's based on a George R.R. Martin uh, novella. Novella? Yeah, I mean... Can he write novellas? Yeah. Yes. He's, He's written a lot of stuff. And that's 
what had lured me to it when it was on sci-fi that had a pretty diverse cast and then it's just it's real dry but it's like something happens on this spaceship and it gets abandoned and these people are trying to like go get it but then they're like they realize why they shouldn't go get it it's very aliens-ish Okay. But I don't think I'm going to return to it. But Could it be Game of Thrones in space? We Game of Thrones feeling... in space? Yeah, no, probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if I got that vibe, I would probably return to it, but I didn't. <laughs> they said that that's the other show. They said that's what the other show is. The what, Expanse? We, you know what? We'll, we will have Tom back on the show to talk about The Expanse. <laughs> we're not qualified to discuss it that's a, um, that's a, i love i love the way you went with that because i was just about to say i've never made it through the first episode so i'm not qualified <laughs> to say anything about the expanse however yeah that's what he definitely. says and he's an extreme cinephile himself he watches game of thrones um whatever similarities they have i guess i don't know look you got me however but, george r martin he don't got it like that for me in a sense of writing. I tried to watch the High Flyers thing with two. And if you would have told me that it debuted on sci-fi, I probably wouldn't have watched it at all. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> that channel gets the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, but Z Nation was good. Like, Z Nation was good from sci-fi. And I think that's, I don't know. That's like the only show I can really think of from the sci-fi channel. Shark, that Sharknado. I really think Merlin. Merlin was good. Sharknado. You said Sharknado when you're crazy. Like <laughs> No, that was like that's like a like it's a, oh, a joke. It's a backhanded joke. Like, yeah, like <laughs> Yeah. Sharknado yeah, four. You can't expect much from the from the creators of Sharknado, but Z Nation was good. Merlin was good. But I have actually been playing Miles Morales. That's what I've been doing. So PlayStation 5 drops. PlayStation 5 slash four games are out. Miles Morales is out. My second most anticipated game of the year. I have actually been playing that since it released on the 12th. Um, And it's absolutely freaking amazing. But we will have a later podcast devoted towards video games. So this ain't it. It'll come later. So stay tuned for that. But let's go ahead and jump into Utopia. Our Paint Sunday's Black Mission. Utopia, episode six, Respect Your Purpose. So... We got a whole lot of stuff unfolded the previous episodes as far as what's actually going on with this virus. We see the whole ins and out of the whole conspiracy to get this thing spread. We know how it's being spread at this point. So this one opens up with them pulling the the tarps and stuff out of the quarantine zone. They're getting rid of that. They're breaking that down. And Dr. Michael's looking like, what is going on? Like, how did this just go so, so quick quickly. yeah like <laughs> hold on like slow down a little bit we see Arby having his realization after he read utopia and he kind of was able to identify his character in this comic as this you know random kid that no one cared for for the most part so he's having a a, a crisis of his own <laughs> like his like what's going on or what should he do is really what, what's going on with him so jessica and grant return back to the gang and they have Amy with got a new member of the club. Poor kid watched her mom die, and now they just bring her here. And Becky and Ian and uh, Wilson are all just like, "What the hell? Where is this kid from?" Yeah, we What's- just picking up new ones. <laughs> yeah, what is going on here? But Jessica now has all of Utopia in her possession, and we see her going through it, and she realizes she can't figure this out on her own. She has no fucking clue what's what's going on. She doesn't know how to decipher it. So she also realizes she needs these people. This is when we start to see her. Like, ah, oh, shit. 
I can't do this on my own type thing starts going on. We get, we see Charlotte talking too much. So the twin that survived, she decides that she wants to be the face and the voice of this virus. And she starts feeling herself and she starts doing a whole lot of talking to the media. Her dad is like trying to get her to shut the fuck up. And he straight up told her in the car, he was like, yo, you're supposed to be the face of this, not the voice of this. And we need you to to wind this down a little bit. And we see why, (laughs) because... When they go back to the house, like, I didn't notice it at first. I didn't really, like, dawn on me at first when they first went back to the house. And he's on the phone with Dr. Christie and telling him, like, she keeps, she's bringing too much attention to this. So I don't, how are we supposed to control this? And, you know, we looked the wrong one live. When he said that shit, I was like, I don't even like that twin. Yeah. That's the one that don't listen. (laughs) Dr. Michael shows up at the house and he starts looking around, like, you know, he starts asking questions. How long have y'all lived here? You know, when he realizes there's no place to put down his drink. Because he was looking for, like, a little end table or a coaster. Like, um, he starts looking real confused. And that's when it started to dawn on me. I was like, oh, yeah, this house doesn't seem very lived in. And sure enough, when he gets to go to the bathroom, the hand towel still has a tag on it. You know, he comes back in the kitchen. He opens up drawers. There's nothing in the drawers or cabinets. So it's like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Spidey senses start tingling, tingling. And he's starting to realize that something is off. They could have just said they just moved in. But he and he asked Charlie, he's like, So how long you have lived here? She said 15, nine months. <laughs> Some, <something. laughs> they should have just got an Airbnb, man. Like <laughs> right. At least with some forks in there. Maybe oh. some old some hot sauce from the last people. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he's starting to raise some concerns about things here. We get to see as they're going through Utopia, trying to figure out what's going on. Ian sees something in the book and he asks Becky, is that deals? Because she, you know, the disease that she has. They kind of like dip off and she shows him behind her ear. She has like these five stars. It's like five or six stars. Mm-hmm. And she said like, that's the mark from deals. This is why I still feel like there's something with Becky going on here. Who else has this disease? Are there other people that are afflicted with deals? Yeah, it was like a small disease. That affected, like, a, a small group. So it was, like, on a much smaller scale. Than- okay. All right. So she's not good. Okay. Because that was one of the things I kept I kept feeling, like, there's going to be something with her. Because, like, she was the only person who didn't have any family when they launched the attacks on, like, their families and stuff like that to smoke them out. She's the only one who wasn't affected by any of that. So it's, like, I still kind of feel like there might be something more to her story. Maybe we'll get that either by the end of the season or if there is a season two, maybe we'll get it in season two. But... She's got a pin in her in the bulletin board for me. I think something's up there. Uh, but so they, they discuss, he, she shows him that and they talk about a little bit more. Dr. Christie then calls Mike to tell him to, you know, meet him somewhere else to get him out of the field because he is asking too many questions. So we get that. Um, after Becky and Ian do the thing, do the damn thing, has finally like just like deciphered what's going on inside of Utopia. So, you know, he brings them all together and he's like looking at this and Mr. Rabbit and breaking down that page. And he thinks that Dr. Michael is Mr. Rabbit. And he's like, you know, who's all over the who's all over the news and who's just talking about this cure and getting this out there. And then that's when, you know, Becky's like, you know, no, he's not Mr. Rabbit, but he is the llama that Mr. Rabbit rides. So he's being controlled, too. And they, they're they slowly starting to put this together. I mean, there's, what, two more episodes left? So I guess, you know, at some point you got to start putting this together. So they're starting to figure out that he is directly connected to Mr. Rabbit. And he is their key to finding out who Mr. Rabbit is at this point. We're at on Utopia at this point. This was, to me, felt like kind of like a filler episode. 
just to kind of move some things along. Um, did you guys kind of get that filler episode, transition episode feel here too? Yeah, like we're just trying to give you, we're like a lead up or build up episode. Well, yeah, they're about, basically they're about to get to Mr. Rabbit type of thing um, is what's happening here. Jumping over to Fargo. <laughs> we got our black and white episode this week. Um, Fargo, episode nine, East and West. Starts off with Omi, Lloyd's man, riding around with... Aldo in his trunk. Yes. Yeah. And he is looking to figure out where Calamita is, or where Calamita went to. And he tells him, you know, he just came by, he was looking for some guns and some things, and he mentioned something about going to some town. He's like, what town? He's like, I don't know, Liberty, Kansas. Or, and he said Kansas. And he's like, Kansas is a city and a state, bro. Like, which one is it? I need some more information than what you're giving me. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was mad funny. He said Kansas State. I was like, oh, all right. He playing. He playing. He's about the boxes. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, oh, we were having a conversation about this, about how one of how he got there before everybody else. He didn't go there looking for the kid. He didn't go there. Look, he's looking for Calmita for the senator thing, because the last time you saw his face, he was saying that he was going to make Calmita pay for Dr. Senator's murder. That's why he got there before everybody else. Okay. Because I didn't understand how he got there. I thought he was there to try to uh, you know, get the kid or whatever or to see. But it didn't even make sense because they don't know where the kid is. So it was very interesting to me that everybody knew that the cannons knew. Well, not the cannons, but I guess Omi kind of went that way and knew that he was going that way. And then when they were looking for Satchel and shit, they knew that he was out there. And I, it was just weird because it was like Kalamita was looking for Satchel and... Kalamita is looking for Rabbi and the kid. Okay. So That's they had a drop on, I guess, wherever they thought that he might be going. Cool. In the country hills of Kansas. Got it. Liberal Kansas or whatever they called it. Got it. And then what's the name was looking for Calmita. Yes, for you said allegedly the Dr. Senator thing. That what we're understanding is that's why Omi is after Calamita. Yeah. Yes, he literally and, promised his boss on camera that he was going after him. Okay. And did Josto also put Rabbi and Satchel's death on Calamita? Yes, he did. Calamita is looking for Rabbi because he knows that Rabbi ran off with Satchel. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Rabbi decides to haul ass to Kansas. How does how does Calamita know where Rabbi is going? Is the one thing of like to me the biggest question mark of this. I we we understand how Omi is on Calamita's trail because he kidnapped the Fada guy and he's like, hey, he said he was heading to Liberty, Kansas. But right. who knew that Rabbi because Rabbi went here because he stashed money here. Yeah. So why that's the theory though? Probably the theory though. Essentially, you know, this ain't (laughs) this ain't black people. This white people. So you can kind of trace where people come from sometimes. And in that particular situation, his family, even though he's not with them anymore, his family could have been from liberal Kansas. Those Irishmen. If he left money somewhere in a store, then it's likely that it's somewhere in his heritage or somewhere in his history. And maybe that's just where he's from. Yeah, and Rabbi, that's you know near him. And Rabbi grew up in their family technically, so I would guess that if he had the opportunity to do that, they knew he was in liberal Kansas. He could have also told somebody that he you know had some money there too, you know. So that's the thing. So that that's one 
kind of not issue, but like that's one thing with this episode that's just kind of okay. We're just gonna go along with it, I guess. Um, we need a driving force. Basically. While they're in this town, Rabbi and Satchel end up at this kind of this boarding house, I guess, um, where there's all these different weird ass people. <laughs> and the boarding house is owned by these two sisters that are don't seem to like each other very much. And when they go to check in, they're also told they don't particularly care for colored people. And at first, Rabbi's like, all right, we'll go somewhere else. And he's like, she's like, no, no, I said, they don't care for y'all. I didn't say you couldn't stay here. <laughs> so, But the way she said it was like a get gone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I didn't say it was a rule. I just said they don't care for us. <laughs> Yeah, so they end up staying. They do end up staying, and they get, you know, the whole East versus West thing is that these two sisters are just very different people. So they ask, I guess, the people who come to stay there random questions to decide whether or not they're going to be on the East or the West. And we learn that, I guess, the West sister is probably just a little bit more accepting. The East sister is blatantly racist because when they show up for dinner, she's like, no colors at the table. Her sister's like, well, it's my side of the table, my rules. So... You know, they sit down to eat and we just get this smorgasbord of, of randomness that that ensues at this dinner. Um, while that's going on, Omi and his traveling partner go to this, you know, show, stop at this gas station and they meet this older black man who seems like he needs some help. So they decide to stick around here and help him. They start painting his garage and well, while they're there, who were those white guys that... Omi shot. He he shot the guy that he was traveling with. That's who he was traveling with. Um, you're talking when they were talking in the gas right station. Right before Calamita showed up. Yeah, yeah, that was the one that he had in his trunk. The Afada's henchman. Okay, so Omi and his traveling companion get into it, and he ends up shooting him. <laughs> right after he shoots him, who appears but Calamita rhymes up. So this is when you're like, okay. Shit's about to get thick. And it just kind of fades to black. Like, it just goes away. It doesn't even show anything. You just see Calamita roll up. Now, we see Satchel has found him a puppy. And he's getting attached to this dog. And Rabbi's like, no, we can't handle dogs. So we don't need no pets. It distracts attention. We don't need it. But he's just like, well, if I leave it in the room, it's going to attract attention. And he wants to keep it or whatever. So Rabbi takes Satchel with him to go retrieve some money that he left in a wall of a building during some previous caper in his lifetime. And, or actually Rabbi goes there first to the building to get the money and discovers the wall. The building has been purchased. It's been remodeled. The wall is gone. And then he asks the current owners some questions about like how long y'all been here. Basically trying to determine, do y'all got my money or who do I need to look for to get my money? Type shit. He figures out that they've been there for a minute. So he's like, all right, cool. Besides he needs to come back. Better prepared to deal with the situation. He leaves. He comes back the next day. Has Satchel in the car with him. Goes inside to get his money from the guys. They don't have all the money. They've. I mean, if I bought a building and I knocked on a wall and I found some money, you're I'm, lucky I have any of it left. Yeah, I'm blowing. I'm, yeah. I'm going to set one portion aside <laughs> just for all the stupid things I've ever wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> and they told him that. They're like, you know, we bought this building. That means whatever's in it is ours, including the, you know, five grand you had stashed in the wall. I mean, that's finders keepers type of shit. What yeah, is like, this is my, this, like, yeah, this is, that's ridiculous. The way that he made it seem, he made it seem like he was supposed to keep it aside for him. Like, you know what? Somebody might come looking for this money one day. <laughs> like, nah, yo, what you mean? This is my spot now. You know what I mean? Like, what do you say? Times was hard. 
Tough got hard <laughs> at certain points. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna go get that money that's in the in the back that I might have been saving for this mysterious person. Come on, man, please. That ain't make no sense to me. Yeah, and, and I, I watched I, it a couple times. I'm like, Rabbi, are you serious? Why are you why are you even trying to interrogate? I would have spent your money. Anybody would. You lucky that there's anything left? And we looked it up. Five thousand dollars, fifty-eight thousand dollars. Then. Yeah, so that's that's that is a chunk of change for sure. I and I think. To your point, Dexter, that is why Rabbi didn't kill him. Why he was trying to get him the chance give me what you got. That, and that's why he left him with the, give me what you got left and I'm going to be on my way type of thing. Um, but while he's inside, poor Satchel gets this crazy racist white cop stumbles upon Satchel in the car. And he's just like, is this your car? First off, he's a kid in the passenger seat with a dog. Why yeah. would that be his car? <laughs> so I was just like, oh, here we go. And it's not even like Satchel's like a teenager. Like, this is clearly a child. Yeah, he's a young kid. So, you know, this cop's giving him shit. But then Rabbi walks out just in time and he's just like, what's your problem? And he's like, is this car yours? And he's like, yeah, it's my car. He's like, what about the kid in it? He's like, yeah, he's my ward. <laughs> when he was like, what did he say? Who, how'd you get, who like, who tricked you into this situation or, or some shit like that? He said, they're like, how the fuck do you end up with this raw deal, basically? Um, and Rabbi is pretty quick thinking. I really like him. He thinks on his feet really quick. And he's like, well, his dad served with me in the war and he died. So I figured, you know, it was, it was my duty to take care of his son. And the cop's just like, all right, fine. But, you know, traveling around with a colored kid and these parts, you might want to keep him on a leash, basically. Yeah. And lay kind of low. Don't just run around with him on the daylight and shit. They go back to the room, to the hostel or whatever. And they're talking some more and he's telling him, like, you can't keep the dog again. And Satchel kind of gets upset. And he's just like, I just wanted something for myself. And I felt bad for this kid because at that moment, he's I thought he was about to be like, you know, I don't have a family no more. I don't have a home no more. I just wanted something. And he's like, it's my birthday. So the rabbi is like, oh, shit. Okay. Rabbi then decides he wants to go find him a cake. So he asks the lady downstairs, we're going to go to get a cake or cupcakes or some shit. And she tells them there's a store you might be able to get some supplies to be able to, I guess, make one or whatever, you know, down the road. So Rabbi takes off and he stumbles upon this gas station. We already know who's been at this gas station. We just don't know who's left at this gas station. So as soon as he walks up, he sees the older black man's dead body. So he's like, all right, something's off here. Makes his way towards the window to go inside, looks inside, and he sees Calamita and Omi inside. Calamita sees him, fire shots through the window, and now we're just like, all right. This is the shit we've been waiting for. Like, we're getting to the shits now. Now we get whites and black and white. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we don't get that at all. I still don't. I don't get it. You still don't I, get it? No. No, I don't. Seriously? I don't it's black and white. There's a tornado it's in Kansas. Oh, no, I'm saying I don't get it at this point. Why it's in black and white. I get that when that shit starts to happen. But it's still, like, it's still in Kansas. It's still in, like, rural Kansas. Like, the weirdest. Keep going. I'm bad. <laughs> oh, good. So, the, Calamita makes his way outside, and he shoots Rabbi. And now Rabbi's arm is fucked up, and he can't really that hold That part it. pissed me off. That whole scene, like, that part of the scene pissed me off. You let that man look at you, shoot you out the window, and then walk outside and get the drop on you? You running? What you running for? You got a gun, too. <laughs> you know? and, truthfully, you had the better angle. You had the drop on him. He's coming after you. He had to come out of that door. How? He didn't even come out the door, like, you know, carefully. He didn't have to, though, because your dumbass was running. <laughs> so, yeah, Rabbi gets shot. And it's like, oh, man, here we go. But Omi stumbles out the door, and he goes to fire off his shot with the gun. 
and his gun is empty. But he does get to, he manages to get Calamita's attention away from Rabbi, who's still trying to get his hand, like, together to muster up to shoot Calamita. Switch hands. You know, that was a thought. <laughs> you got another hand, buddy. Might not be the best hand to shoot with, but at least you could get some bullet. you can get some shots off. But as this is going on, there's a tornado heading towards them. And show as shit, this tornado <laughs> comes through. And I'm thinking it's just going to, like, sweep up Calamita and Rabbi's going to manage to get away. I don't know why I thought that. Because <laughs> it's a big-ass tornado. It sucks up Calamita, and then Rabbi's sitting there... And then it sucks up Rabbi. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't understand. Calmita's not that thorough. Like, why didn't you shoot him when he... You know, as I watched it a second time, my real question was, after he was shooting at the black man, why you didn't just get in the car and go? There's a lot of... I mean, there's a lot of things with this episode. So, I mean, that'd be nearly one of them. But, so, we now have Calamita and Rabbi are off the board. Very quickly. All in one shot. And... At first, I was just like, well, that's an interesting way to go about doing that. And I feel like this is the most, this has been the most anticipated conflict of the season, in my opinion. Like, I have waited to see these two go head to head. Like, we knew it was coming from very early on that these two were going to probably end up being on opposite sides. And it happened, and they get swept up in a tornado. (laughs) You're so mad. I am. (laughs) (laughs) You mad. I thought it was dope. This is my thing, right? Essentially, if you said that, because I didn't really see it like that. I didn't see it as these two guys um, were going to meet each other at one point. You know what I mean? However, if you did see it like that, that's fine. When you do see that in the sense of how are these guys... These are two people that you know are not going to live, right? Especially Calamita. You know he wasn't going to live. You know what I mean? He just, he doesn't live through movies like this. That guy doesn't live. You know what I'm saying? Now, Satchel and Rabbi, you think, you would think Satchel and Rabbi are going to live. You know what I mean? And you know Satchel's not going to die, but Rabbi dying changes everything. See, I understand what you're saying in the sense of them getting swept up by a tornado is weird. However, at the end of the day, we knew that they were expendable and that they were characters that could go away. However they died, if he would got shot, you would have been fine. If he got shot in a regular scene, you would have been okay with it. But they didn't get shot. But understand this, what you didn't understand, what you didn't know is if you go back and look at that episode and at the beginning, they are zooming in on, I guess, Rubble from After the Tornado. And there's a letter that says, like, the name of the episode or whatever. You know how they always do the true story thing in a different way. Well, when you look into that, I actually paused it and I read the little letter. The letter says that, you know, this is a true story about something that happened in Kansas or wherever in the Midwest. This Midwest mystery in which there apparently was a gunfight because each of these guys had bullet holes in them, but they were found in weird different places. So the only thing that people can gather is that a tornado got them because their bodies were scattered all over the place in real life. Now, were these people part of the Fada canon story? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But... Apparently, there was a story of this magnitude, and they decided to use it for this scene. I get what you're saying, but on the same note, they were going to die anyway. How they died 
is what you didn't expect was for that little boy to be where he at right now. Yeah, so that's another thing. So now Satchel is in this this boarding house. He wakes up and he doesn't know where where Rabbi's at. Um, he goes out in the room and there was like those this weird guy who's being who's like hooked up to some machine and getting treatments and then bandaged and shit. Some weird Frankenstein shit's going on next door. He thinks he's a god, right? Because he was in there talking about how he's the alpha and the omega. I don't know what was going on with that. But Satchel's just like, all right, I'm going to keep my ass in this room. He uses the things that Rabbi taught him. Like, Rabbi's taught him enough about, and he told, he told him in this episode, he was like, you know, if I don't return in 24 hours, I'm either dead or in jail. So Satchel goes back in the room. He's got his gun. He's got his dog. And he just posts up and he blocks the door and he sits there. Poor kid falls asleep with the gun in his hand. <laughs> it's like, poor baby. Like, this is this is the life you live in. And he wakes up the next day, still no rabbi. And at this point, he knows, like, he's not back. That means he's dead or in jail. So now Satchel has some decisions to make. And this is, I guess, to me, this was, like, the best part of the episode. Like, this is the, okay, what's going to happen to this kid next? Because you're out and, he, and, you know, he walks down the road to that billboard sign that said, oh, actually, let me back it up. I actually really appreciated the fact that when Satchel opened that door to walk out of it, it switched to color. He had his you're not in Kansas anymore moment. You're not in Kansas anymore. Um, This is like real life is like hitting shit type stuff. So it was very much a wearing Kansas Wizard of Oz homage. Like it was definitely a tribute to Wizard of Oz. Let's not act like Satchel ain't carrying around Toto with him at this point. But he walks into the road. Sees the billboard, and he's like standing there staring at this billboard that says, "What does it say? Today is the future. The, the future, future is now. Yeah, the future is now, or whatever." What do we think is gonna happen to Satchel? What do y'all think, Dexter? What do you think is gonna happen with Satchel? Do you even think? Are you thinking about that, or are you just like? You know me. I don't really subscribe to trying to figure out what they are gonna do. However, <laughs> in this particular instance, you have no choice but to wonder where that boy going, because you assume he's not close to home. So. He's walking in rural Kansas. I don't know. I, I, I assume that they're they're not gonna make that a big part of the story unless they like unless they're gonna make the whole episode his part of the whole episode where he's like journeying back home, you know what I mean, and trying to figure out how to get back home. But somebody's probably gonna pick him up or, you know, so, something's gonna happen along the lines of uh him being okay. I did notice though, during I can't remember exactly what part it was, but during a part when Rabbi was still alive, there was something on the radio talking about a shootout at the slaughterhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard that in the background and I was like, oh shit. So they're probably, you know, that's probably the retaliation from the father's mom being killed in that shootout or whatever. They probably went to the slaughterhouse, which is something that the black guys own. So I was thinking that that's probably what the next episode is going to be. And they'll probably flash back to, you know, whatever Satchel is doing while showing you what's going on in there. My friend, he had a complaint that there was no advancement of the story on this episode. And I'm like, how could it be no advancement of the story when you have two key players that died and then we have a black kid on the road walking in Kansas? It's about to get very real. And what I've seen for the next episode is that Etherita is telling Loy... That, is um, a preview for the next episode? Yeah, there's a preview for the next episode. And Etherita is saying to Loy, I can help you win this war. That's the words that she says. <laughs> I said, oh, shit. Okay, so I do think this, I mean, it, adva- it obviously advances the story because we got rid of Calamita and Rabbi. So, I mean, we've we mentioned a few episodes back that Fargo to the point where people are dying, like everybody's dropping. So this is very much the Fargo way. So, okay. 
yeah, so it's it's still trucking along. It was a beautifully shot episode. The cinematography in this episode, absolutely amazing. There's no denying that. Um, it's definitely a very um, inventive, creative episode visually. It was, you know, I think like you were saying, Dexter, it was something that was going to happen. So why not have fun with it? So I didn't, I didn't yeah. mind it totally. Like at first I was like, what the fuck? But it's like at the end of the day, you're, you know, it's Fargo. Fargo is fun. It is, you know, they find creative ways to tell stories. Just like when we mentioned the UFO episode, that came out of a UFO in the middle of a gunfight at a hotel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was a matter of fact. He was like, are we going to talk about that? He said, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it moving. So, yeah, it was, you know, overall, we, we're moving along here. So, sleepers. This week's sleepers. Armani. My sleeper this week is Black Box, which you can find on Amazon Prime. Okay. It's a Bloomhouse film. I will, I'll give it an 8 out of 10. I feel like it was really good. It has a little twist at the end. It's like a sci-fi thriller. Okay. Yeah. That's like... That was my sleep for this week. <laughs> not going to give it anymore. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it focuses So what around, is it about? It's about this black guy who gets into an accident that kills his wife and he has to raise his daughter, but he has amnesia. So he goes to this doctor and he's trying... Oh, we did watch this. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> but he goes to this doctor and he's trying to unlock his memories and get them back mm-hmm. and it's following that story stars felicia rashad is in this. felicia rashad <laughs> <laughs> yes okay yes um i fully support the watching of your sleeper uh my sleeper is a show it's an fx show it only came on for one season it's called the riches it's a show about uh, a deep south family they're like it's weird because they're like a family of gypsies so like they live like on a compound it almost looks like a damn circus everybody's got trailers and you know they live amongst one another and like it, it's weird it's like they even marry what's the shit that you do when you yeah they even do like arranged marriages and all that shit i was like that's weird but anyway i'm assuming there's there's a gypsy culture of that that they're trying to mimic but the interesting part about this show is, um, first of all, it's an FX show, and it's an early FX show. It came out in 2007, has Mini Driver in it. Noel Fisher is in it. He's the guy from, he was in, uh, like, Breaking Dawn, um, all them Twilight things or whatever. He's also the kid from Shameless. He was oh. Ian's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, he plays, um, he plays like, the son. And basically, there's it's a um, it's a family. So it's the husband, the wife, and then there's a girl and a boy, and then there's a younger boy who dresses like a girl. And it's extremely interesting. What ends up happening is, um, uh, like her somewhere on her side of the family, because you know they're not both from <laughs> from a gypsy family. I think he married into it, but they basically con people, and they end up leaving that area and causing a car accident and they kill someone who was on their way no one's ever met these people so they basically take their identity and they go live in this new house and start like a brand new life or whatever the show is dope it's a very interesting show it's before fx got really big or whatever so you can see back till even then they were making good shit it's called the riches you can catch it on hulu the riches okay my sleeper is going to be the kaminsky method 
which you can find on Netflix. I believe there's two seasons out and season three is coming, but it stars, it's a series, it stars Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas as these, first off, they're already old as dirt in real life anyway, Um, but these two best friends. And Michael Douglas is the, he's an actor, retired actor, who runs this acting like studio workshop thing. So he teaches other people how to act. Um, it actually has Becky from Utopia. She's in the movie. She's one of the students in his class. Okay. Um, he has his daughter. He's a single guy. And Alan Arkin's character, first episode, his wife is dying of cancer. His daughter is batshit crazy. It's very much, what was it, The Bucket List that had um, Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. In it. And Morgan Freeman. Yeah. So it reminded me of that just watching the preview for the first episode. So I was like, all right, you know, it looks just funny, kind of lighthearted, something lighthearted. It's fucking hilarious, okay? Um, Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas together, comedy goal. So if you're looking for something light, funny, granted I said that Alan Arkin's wife dies. So there is, <laughs> you know, some, there is emotion in it, but it is it is hilarious uh, watching these two old men, the things like they, they have, like they're doing, so... Um, it is a really good show. I would I would recommend it. I'm only on like episode three or four of the first season, but so far it's it's definitely enjoyable. So if you want something a little more light laughing at, it's a good way to go. But other than that, I think that's a podcast. That's a podcast. All right. So until next time, take care of yourselves and be good to each other. <laughs>